Open up your books, you bad apples. Instagram account slowly grows. I think we're at 25 followers, which is kind of fun. 25 next week. I had a... 10,000. Yeah, I had, a, I had a fire over the weekend, and um, I, I pretty much force-fed the podcast to one person, so they said they're going to be listening now, which is good. Okay, that works. Um, I, I wish I did that when I was in Switzerland. Um, all the bars and stuff were open. I should have been promoting the podcast left and right. Could not think of a better time to go bar hopping than right now. <laughs> I felt uh, very dirty because in Germany, the mask has been mandated for a while now. Mandated? And yeah. like Required? Uh, yeah. Yep. And, oh, good. Uh, in like public spaces, like in grocery stores and everything. But in Switzerland, like, I guess the cases have been low, but yeah, it felt very weird. I felt very guilty. I felt like a sinner. I literally, I'd be hanging out in the corner the whole time. And it's kind of funny because listening to episode four again, actually, after it was just uploaded last Monday, uh, I forgot that we got to the, uh, I forgot about your little rant about, joe rogan's bro science (laughs) and uh that's really funny i didn't know that he what did he what did he specifically say about masks maybe we could turn this into Uh, a a joe rogan podcast (laughs) podcast the joe rogan critique podcast the joe rogan experience critique (laughs) podcast yeah um, we gotta break down all four hour episodes and hey (laughs) think of how much material we can get out of a four hour episode oh man i don't know but basically he was talking about for a while now he's been talking about like how we need to build up our immune systems rather than wear a mask kind of thing and then it was so funny because bill burr was on his podcast and he was talking about the same thing, and then he's like, everyone was trying to flip what I was saying. I was just joking. And whenever you say, I was just joking, it immediately just corrects every past thing you did, you said. Oh, obviously. of course. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. I am your host, Lucas Nord. And I am your host, Cole Lang. And Cole, if I didn't know any better... Just based on the tone in your voice, I would uh, I would guess that you've been doing a bit of traveling lately. Did you want to uh, talk about that or? Yeah, let me tell you, man. So I saw a glacier for the first time in my life, and I drank water from like this stream that was coming down from it. And how my was voice, it? Oh man! So you'd think there'd be like little things of dirt in there, but the water was like filtered through all the moss and whatever coming down the mountain and thank God there's cell service in almost all of Switzerland and in the mountains too that uh, I Googled and I was like, is it okay to drink this? And Google said yes. So yeah, I drank that. It was really good. Was it Fiji? Fiji. Uh, Yeah. Is that where you went? Did you drink that Fiji water that uh, people pay $4 a bottle for? Hey, I got it for free 99, but that's another thing. Oh, you... In you Switzerland, it's so expensive. You should have bottled it up. Then you, yes. could, you could just sell it wherever you went back to for like, um, what do they say? It's worth its weight in gold. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it, it was going to be the equivalent of holy water. And I could have just sold that stuff like a super church. Incredible. Um, but that's another thing about Switzerland, man. It was 
so expensive. I so the first day we got there, I was like, "All right, we're gonna cheap out and we're gonna have a nice dine-in meal every now and then." So we roll up to the McDonald's. I get like just a regular burger meal. It costed sixteen francs, which is pretty much the equivalent of sixteen dollars. Ouch. Yes, it was insane, but I, I knew that going in, but that, that really threw me off. Even McDonald's was like bougie. That is insane. fancy living right there. Yeah. I don't no. think it's I don't think it's the quality of the meal you get. I think it's how much you pay for it that makes it fancy. <laughs> Rich people you are know? gonna be eating Big Macs this time next month. Mark my words. <laughs> but when the air when the air always smells like cotton candy, I suppose there isn't much to complain about. No, not at all. Um, now, this is part six of Crime and Punishment, and we are at the, the light. At the, we are at the light at the end of the tunnel, part six of six. Nothing will be the same after this recording because no. it'll be a different book. Yeah, it will be a different book, and we'll, we'll save it till the end. And so, so you have you have to go through the pain of listening to to this episode. You have to go through the same pain that Raskolnikov felt every waking moment, only <laughs> only through your ears and not through your mental determination. We're method podcast podcastists. Yes, that yes we are. Now, Cole, did you have a sort of uh, summary from part five of the book that you would maybe want to go over before we before? we dive in here yes part five most of it was the the family dinner the the memorial dinner for who could forget it our boy marmaladov r.i.p r.i.p papa bless what else did we have we had raskolnik raskolnikov confessed to sonia about his murder and a little sneaky boy was listening in uh the room next to him and that's obviously Svidrigilov and Peter um, Petrovich is out of the picture Peter Petrovich tried to frame Sonia um, by saying that she stole money and that didn't work out well for him no at all no um so yeah he's out of the picture finally and uh Katerina her health just Went down the toilet, you could down say. Down the toilet. Yeah, and she was living that hot. She still couldn't get over living as an average person. And she tripped and fell. And uh, yeah, she bled out to death from a rock she fell on. So yeah, that was pretty sad. And then Svidrigailov at the very end, after that scene, that death scene, he made it pretty well known to Raskolnikov that he knows he, that he listened in on his c- confession. Pretty dramatic part of uh, the whole book here. I mean, every part's got some good drama to it, but part five is when stuff really starts hitting the fan. Yeah, and part six is going to... It, it's it's going to be a long one because we are including the epilogue. Yep. But yeah, this one is going to be a bit meaty. But The book... The Tasty. book is sectioned off in parts one through six, but there is a, I think it's like a 30 or 40 page epilogue after the book. Yeah, it's officially a two-part ends. epilogue. Yep. Two-part epilogue, too. I forgot about that. So mm-hmm. um, 
So let's just let's just get down to it, huh? Yes, sir. Let's get down. Part six opens up with, quote, a strange period began for Raskolnikov. It was as if a fog had fallen upon him, trapping him in isolation with no escape. He has no sense of time at all, wanders aimlessly, finds himself in random parts of town sometimes. He is very afraid of Svidri Gelov and vaguely remembers meeting up with him a couple times, but they don't discuss his confession. So he's almost like in this dream state where he remembers talking to him, but they they just kind of talk about everything but the confession itself. Everything but the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Maybe not so much with... Uh... Uh, uh, murder confession but you know there's usually there might just be that one thing that you got to get out of the way but you bet your bottom dollar i'll sit there for an hour and just talk about everything but that thing <laughs> yeah. what i'm here for and, and uh, you know like we we're saying in the last episode these guys are almost best friends um but but they can't even talk openly about this stuff so it's like are they really best friends yeah they, they might just be acquaintances but they aren't truly friends down to the soul no they need to discuss these matters at hand and so raskolnikov he finds himself at katarina's wake and while he's there sonia holds his hand with no hesitation because usually she's a bit scared uh, holding his hand, obviously, she Aww. should be. <laughs> oh, she's nervous because she likes him. <laughs> and he's a murderer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that part. <laughs> it's, so, it's so easy to just gloss over the fact that he murdered someone. It's like, all right, just get <laughs> over it already. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, it's, I mean. It's turning into that Netflix show, End of the Effing World. Oh, Have you ever I, seen that? I saw an episode or two of that at one point. Love can happen for anybody, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, so he is caught off guard by this, and he leaves and wanders the city again for some time, and then he crashes in his room. He then wakes up, and Razumian is there. And I believe, or he, he takes a seat, and he doesn't want to know about his motivations of the murder he's like talking to him he's like all right raskolnikov like what the hell is going on he only wants to see if raskolnikov is an actual madman because he's also telling raskolnikov that his mother is going insane just worrying about raskolnikov's condition because yeah his condition's been worse or it's been bad in this book but at this point it is Oh, uh, he's everyone's very worried that he's going to kill himself. Well, yeah. And the last time he was with his mother and sister, the last thing he said was, I'm leaving. Don't uh, don't bother coming after me because I'll just hate you for it. So just leave me be, yeah, which would probably le- that would probably make your mom nervous if you said something like that to her. Yeah. So she's just having we'll get into it later and she but she's just kind of losing her mind wondering what the hell's going on with my boy <laughs> so Razumian he tells he he notices that Raskolnikov is eating a lot and this is not normal for Raskolnikov as we mentioned many times before yes and he's and he says quote here you sit guzzling boiled beef as though you haven't eaten for three days you can't be mad you can go to hell, 
but you are not mad. If I, if I may just interject here too, I don't mean to get into to semantics, but I don't think guzzling is the right word for when you're shoveling down boiled beef. I don't think you can guzzle a salad. I mean, you could probably guzzle soup, but that's mostly liquid anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could be one of those things that was just lost in translation or like boiled beef was like a traditional dish there that we don't we're not familiar with i'm not yeah. sure but thank uh, god <laughs> yeah. i'm not complaining about it but yeah so resumian he's basically like all right i need to really see if like your mental state really led to this because resumian is basically doing anything to convince himself that raskolnikov didn't do it and he's like in a stage of denial. Raskolnikov, he responds by saying, what are you to do now? And Razumian's just like, it's really none of your business. He, he completely ignores like all the comments he made about if he was a madman or not. And Raskolnikov says, you're going for a drink, aren't you? And then Razumian says, you're right, I'm going to get a drink. And he tries to leave because he's just kind of fed up with Raskolnikov. And personally, I'm getting pretty fed up with him at this point as well. Yeah, I was going to say, understandably, can't particularly uh, disagree with Resumian here. And, you know, obviously, I like Raskolnikov, but uh, if anyone's been listening to every episode up to this point, they already know that we're Team Resumian one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, we'll be cheering for him in the end. Raskolnikov, once again, we know Resumian's number one fantasy is to be with Dunya and Raskolnikov knows this oh, so yeah. he's like well, wait a second buddy my sister and I were talking about you the other day I <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> don't stop him getting with tracks alright <laughs> yeah and then this makes Razumian very curious and he says quote who me <laughs> and then Raskolnikov comp- compliments him by saying you're a good man with a good heart who is just right for Dunia, and he wants to basically look over his family. Razumian tells Raskolnikov that, well, Raskolnikov, even though, even though I've been accusing you of being a madman these past few minutes, you're not too bad. You're not too bad of a friend. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've had a bit of an epiphany in the last 30 seconds, and I think <laughs> that we're just meant to be buddies for life. Yeah, we can just sweep all the murder stuff under the rug here. Just sweep everything under the rug, even though the murder didn't uh, uh, directly affect Razumian. Raskolnikov has certainly been putting a little of his own personal like uh, torture onto him, whether it be getting him mad b- before they go see the police detective by calling him a six-foot-tall Romeo or any of the other myriad of ways that he's just messed with this. This poor, sweet, golden retriever of a man. Yeah, this poor puppy man. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. He, he is. All right, so he leaves and closes the door, but he opens it again and says, quote, those painters have been accused of the murders. I can't believe those wrestling boys did it. <laughs> I was stupid to believe they couldn't do it. Um, that, that was just kind of summary of his quote, but like he was um, he's just like, I can't believe they did it. So once again, you can tell he's like in this stage of denial. And he, he tells him that periphery 
explained his methods to Resumian himself and leaves because he is interested. I mean, Resumian and Periphery have been talking uh, off to the side throughout this book. And Quite interesting. Yeah. So yeah, after after he leaves, Raskolnikov gets up and <laughs> uh, quote walking from one corner of his room to the other as if he forgot how small his room was, end quote. Uh, so he's just, like, got up, took, like, two spaces, probably hit his head, and then yep. he's like, oh, shit, I live in such a small room. Uh, the cupboard. Yeah, and he's probably like, oh, man, I probably need to go apartment shopping again. <laughs> the Siberia, I need to start looking at uh, apartments in Siberia now. Um, there you go. Yeah, it's a nice, nice place this time of year. So Raskolnikov thinks that periphery basically coerced the painter into confessing with his interrogation methods, which isn't a wild um, accusation, even though Raskolnikov obviously did the murder, but he does know how to, I guess, bend a person to his will. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So Raskolnikov grabs his funky hat and he heads down the stairs. The book mentions that he is so full of hatred that if he saw Periphery or Svidri Galov at this po- at this point, he could probably kill them. Which, I mean, I, I it's kind of terrible to say, but I am definitely well. It's not too terrible, but I'm definitely cheering for him to kill Svidri Galov. I mean, he only murdered one person or two people. Why not add to the body count? I guess. Well. Yeah, we don't have a full read on Svidri Galov, but up to this point, it's kind of obvious that he doesn't have um, the best intentions in mind for anyone. Yeah, and we will see the worst of him. Like, it's when uh, Dennis was saying, like, you haven't seen me peek yet. I'm going to peek all over these people. He's going to be, yeah, he's not even at his peak. Hasn't even begun to peak. (laughs) Periphery is at the bottom of the stairs, like just walking up to see Raskolnikov and this shocks him, obviously. And then he's just standing there for a minute and then Periphery starts laughing as he always does to like mess with people, basically. And he says, quote, you weren't expecting me, were you, Rodion Raskolnikov, end quote. And Raskolnikov acts pretty courteous in a believable way, which doesn't happen that often and invites him to his room. Periphery goes on a rant about how bad cigarettes are for you and is just really random. And of course, to Raskolnikov, who's been just going crazy, he's like, oh, it's one of his mind tricks. He's talking about Marvelos again. Periphery goes on to explain that he's pretty sorry. He's very sorry for how he treated um, Raskolnikov in their previous encounters. And he looks honestly sad for Raskolnikov. Raskolnikov, he's really thrown off by this, which, again, he's probably thinking it's a mind game. Right. Yeah, and Periphery goes on to explain that he admires Raskolnikov, saying, quote, you are a man of noble character, end quote. He also says he has been quite attracted to him. That was the quote from the book, but it's pretty obvious it would be more of a fascination by this man of such a condition right yeah and he he continues to explain that his accusations were i guess justified saying that he suspected him because he was the last to pick up the pledge the pledges at his place 
his right. his paper that he wrote on the extra extraordinary people and lastly him just like bragging about the murder to to zamatov in the tavern and he was like this was the detective that he was teasing the whole time to be like don't you suspect me and he went through all the steps of his murder Raskolnikov is kind of three for three on the not covering your tracks very well for being a extraordinary man. Yeah, he strikes out every time, but he just keeps yeah. on swinging. <laughs> like, hey, man, <laughs> um, baseball, am I right? <laughs> baseball, man. I, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, the bench warmer uh scene and where he's like david spade is like trying to hit the ball he misses it or he doesn't hit the ball and they call it a strike he's like haha you can't count it because i didn't swing but uh you i can. think i think we can all just take a minute here to think about bench warmers starring rob schneider <laughs> rob schneider <laughs> rob schneider I, i'll yeah. have to rewatch that one i i really enjoyed it as a kid but i'm sure some parts of it still hold up See, that's what I was going to say is I think about Step Brothers quite often and how we watched it a hundred times when we were younger, and I haven't seen it since then, and I'm pretty sure that movie just isn't any good. Step Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll, I'll find out one day. Yeah, I'll have to give it a rewatch here for sure, but I do. it did give me great joy back in the day for sure. Absolutely. Periphery, he goes on to explain that, quote, 100 suspicions don't count as proof, end quote. He, he said he started rumors or periphery. He, he basically told Raskolnikov that he started rumors all around town about the murder to get Raskolnikov excited. And uh-huh. he admits he visited it. He, he's been to his room before just to mess with him. So like, yeah, he, he was like fucking with Raskolnikov a lot. Maybe just move something just slightly out of place or something like that. <laughs> but it's so messed up because, like, <laughs> his bed could be in a completely different part of the room. And Raskolnikov, he's been in and out of, like, this delusional state. And he's probably like, yeah, I probably did that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But that's just how messed up he is right now like he probably wouldn't even notice if somebody messed with his room and then raskolnikov he interrupts by saying quote i heard from Razumian that you suspect the painter to be the murderer end quote so he's just like i heard i'm off the hook (laughs) and periphery he explains that the painter is an old believer which was i had no idea what this was but once again, I did my research, and nice. it is a branch of Christianity that bl- split from the Russian Orthodox Church in the mid-1600s. And so this was pretty controversial, and um, it caused lots of persecution, and it drove many of this religion to live in secluded villages, and so they could practice their religion without being bothered by these persecutors and um just i i had never heard of that before either so yeah it's um getting a bit of a history lesson today yeah and it it hits close to home because this is there are multiple communities of this branch in the states and there's one in erskine minnesota which is like i played them in football so 
I, I could have played some of these guys in football back in the day. It was like two hours north of, well, north of us, I guess. Old believer. Yeah, and it's pretty much they in the modern day. They I don't want to compare them to like an Amish lifestyle, but it's traditional in the sense that uh, the women wear skirts and um, like back at home, like it, every, everything's just kind of it's not really materialistic. I don't want a zipper to be found. (laughs) Yeah. um, But once again, I don't want to like just push it into that one group of Amish because obviously they're completely different. But to get more of a sense of like the way of living, it's a very traditional way of life. So, yeah, that's the history lesson. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Make sure to do your homework, kids. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. This will all be on next week's test. (laughs) Yeah, this will. uh, Hit us on Instagram with the answers. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, for the past two years, this painter, he's been living in this very remote village with an old man just reading the Bible. Like they've both been studying the Bible for almost 12 hours a day. So this, it just doesn't match. And he says that the painter, when he thinks of like law and order or like doing anything against the law, he like, it's very scared. <laughs> like, um, and just because he was like thrown into the interrogation office, he's like, yeah, I, I pretty much did it. Like, uh, it was me. Of course it was me because, um, he, he's just so scared of any type of police of policing. I've heard of that kind of thing before. Yeah. I mean, interrogation tactics are very much still a thing. Periphery. He explains that he thinks the murder is a, troubled, delirious, ill man who thinks of himself highly, but hates everyone. So, uh, so this is getting no, pretty... No, no. Uh, doesn't really ring a bell. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this seems a bit off. I don't know anyone in this story that comes even close no, <laughs> to this honestly, description. We've read this book and we've spent hours um just thumbing through the fine details but i cannot think of are you sure that i mean i don't know just nothing's coming to my mind i don't know about you so at this point i'm just like you know every every plot twist at the end of scooby-doo he's just gonna pull a random person into this room take off his mask and they're like old man jenkins like this person that had no one to do with the story at all well see i was kind of wondering if we didn't accidentally miss a chapter or something like that where he's describing (laughs) where this where this um troubled delirious ill man who thinks highly of himself and hates everyone is described because like i said it's just not ringing any bells (laughs) oh shit <laughs> but um <laughs> obviously this is hitting home for raskolnikov he's like "Ooh, oh, oh raskolnikov yeah our main our main boy here that yeah. is embarrassing yeah so when, when he hears this from periphery raskolnikov quote shudders as if he had been stabbed end quote and then he asks quote again then uh, uh, who, who then is, is the murder <laughs> end quote. And then periphery, he pauses for a second. And he replies, whispering quote, who is the murderer? Why you rascal on the cob, you are the murderer end quote. Ooh. Oh, 
you guys might have the same reaction as we did. This plot twist did not see it coming. This was like the sixth sense times a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so Raskolnikov has a, a very subsur- surprised reaction like our audience might have. And he, he stands up for a few seconds without saying anything. So it's like as if he was like shocked and he just like stands up and then he sits back down for for some time. He just starts twitching like he uncontrollably just like starts twitching. And he says, quote, I am not the murderer, <laughs> end quote. And, and I think Dostoevsky described it like a child that was caught in the act. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, he at this point, he it's just like, come on, Raskolnikov, you're still denying this shit. Like I, at this point, you know, I put up with Raskolnikov, but at this point, it's just like, come on, dude, let's get through this. Periphery replies, no, it, it was you, Raskolnikov. And then they just sit in silence for like 10 minutes and Raskolnikov, he's like, this is one of your mind tricks again, and I'm not having it. And we have heard this shit before. And Periphery tells him that he doesn't want Raskolnikov to view him as a monster. But at the same time, it's kind of hard not to. Not to, like, obviously justify Raskolnikov, but he's been, like, messing with him a lot. But he he just wants him to confess and he says that he won't arrest him for a few days and if he does confess he will do his best to do an argument to the court to lessen his sentence so i mean periphery at the end of the day even though he's been doing all this to raskolnikov he does genuinely care about this man he he feels pretty bad for him he's a good guy yeah yeah i guess so i like uh like we we're saying with Razumian, his uh, he means well, <laughs> but at, at the same time, Raskolnikov is just like, well, why would I do that? I never did this, and he just keeps on denying the accusation. And uh, <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> yeah, once again, and, and like Dostoevsky said, he handles this stuff like a like a child. <laughs> yeah, he, he wouldn't want to represent himself in a court by himself. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> that would be a very interesting uh, thing if that did go down. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Periphery tells him that once again, suffering is brought up and he says suffering will bring him closer to God and that he has his whole life ahead of him. Because remember, Raskolnikov is only 23 years old. He is the same age as you and I. <laughs> I'm only 23 years old. You're <laughs> yeah. only 23 years old. Yes. I haven't murdered anyone with an axe and up I'm, to this point in my life. Yeah, and I'm very proud of myself. I don't intend to either. Yeah, no, me neither. Me neither, me neither. Yeah, so, I mean, give us a pat on the back for that. Um, <laughs> so he's like, yeah, you got your whole life ahead of you, which, I mean, he does. He he really does. And um, he's like, he, he's trying to, like, soften up this idea of Siberia. He's like, yeah, the, the air is so fresh in Siberia. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> beautiful (laughs) yeah raskolnikov he he says quote who are you to tell me all of this end quote and periphery says once again that it's just out of sympathy like he just wants to help raskolnikov on this journey of suffering raskolnikov he asks what he will do if he will run away he's like well i'm obviously not guilty but (laughs) what if i do run away (laughs) (laughs) And then um, 
Periphery says that Raskolnikov is not a petty criminal. You know, he's an educated man, so he wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah, and Raskolnikov gets up to leave, and Periphery says, oh, yeah, some fresh air will do you some good. You got some time to think about this. Raskolnikov, he, he responds by saying, quote, don't, don't get it twisted. I did not confess today. <laughs> you are a very strange man, and I only listened out of curiosity, <laughs> end quote. And then Periphery responds by saying, uh, well, if you do decide to run, it would be very kind of you to leave a note stating the location of the items you buried under the stone, end quote, and he exits. So that was a pretty badass thing to say at the end of their conversation. Yeah, Porphyry is very confident. Yeah. Really so, I think. He kind of called this one from a mile away. Yeah, he did. He really did. But he had a hundred suspicions. <laughs> Soon enough, Raskolnikov will fly right into his mouth. Like a fly, like he mentioned earlier. So, yeah, it's coming full circle. Raskolnikov, he heads to see Svidrigailov, because he still doesn't know what his intentions are for Dunya. And he doesn't recall the conversations they've had prior to when he was just like in a dream state so yikes yeah he's like what did i talk about with this man and he wonders if svidrigailov has connections to periphery like he's like is this a conspiracy mm, i don't know hmm. um and if he's thinking about abandoning sonia as well because he's causing her so much pain and He's wondering if Svidrigailov is using Raskolnikov's confession to get closer to Dunya, like hanging it above him and um, using it as a threat. Once again, he's like, if I got to kill this man, God damn it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Which, once again, I'm like, hell yeah, do it, man. Because we're going to see this dude and he's like a total monster. He comes across a tavern and he sees Svidrigailov just like chilling in this room, but... Svidrigailov, he notices Raskolnikov is is there, and they both stare at each other, and they both get a little bit uneasy. Svidrigailov, he's just, like, having a good time and doesn't want to be seen, but he's like, oh, shit, like, I gotta put on, I, we gotta be friends now. And he, he tells him, he's like, oh, come on. He's, like, waving him over through the window. And he, he enters the tavern. Svidrigailov is in a room where he has a servant boy and a girl singing songs for him so once again just really telling of this kind of man this guy is like he, he's already flexing and setting up the conversation he's about to have with raskolnikov he's certainly interesting very but disgusting yep <laughs> so svidrigailov he talks about how much he admires raskolnikov and how strange he is so once again like this weird friendship that he's trying to form he's trying really hard and because he still wants to get with junia even though he claims he doesn't and he wants raskolnikov to be the middleman once again raskolnikov he tells him that hey if you have any bad intentions for my sister i'm gonna kill you and Svidrigailov, he's just like, wait a second, we were so close. Like, we could we could be friends here. You do know that, right? He goes on a tangent about he can't handle himself around women. And Raskolnikov, once again, he's like, this guy sucks. And he's... Yeah, that's not a great trait. No, no. And so this whole time, Svidrigailov is 
pretty drunk and he just keeps on spouting this bullshit and it's obviously making Raskolnikov very mad. So Raskolnikov, he tries to leave, but Svidrigailov tells him, your sister's a pretty good person and she's tried to save me before. You do know that, right? And then Raskolnikov's like, shit, say less. Let me hear this story. And Svidrigailov tells him about his late wife as well. And once again, we get this backstory of like, she rescued him from prison and paid his debts despite knowing his like flirtatious ways, his uh, promiscuous ways. They had an quote, unspoken contract where he could flirt with other women just as long mm. as he was honest about it. Like it, as long as he's like had the person's name, uh, it, it would be completely fine. So he, he goes on to compliment Dunya about how physically attractive she is. So once again, Raskolnikov is getting very angry and he also says that she longs for torture in a relationship. So once again, he brings this up. He says she would love to be branded with hot pinchers, end quote. So, oh. yeah. And, and he also goes on a rant. Like, he, he goes on, like, a full, like, in the book, he goes on a rant that lasts for, like, a paragraph, just saying, like, yeah, she would love to be in the desert where she would have no food or drink and just, like, basically accept temptations from Satan if she wanted to. And, like, all this other weird analogies and metaphors. I don't like this guy. Yeah, the more he talks, it's just like, all right, Raskolnikov, just get your fucking axe out, dude. <laughs> yeah, get the axe that he's always carrying on him. <laughs> yeah. He also says that he loves to flirt with women that have husbands and families just to ruin their lives. Like, he has no other reason for this. And then he also says that Dunya was, like, scared of Svidrigailov himself, but sometimes he could see that, well, she was kind of attracted to him and if she wanted to get married he would have killed his wife like he he said he would literally kill his wife for dunya and it's just so funny well not funny but it's ironic because he's he did kill his wife <laughs> what are you talking about i think that's pretty funny <laughs> okay it is funny but it's very dark <laughs> yeah i know it's dark yeah but he starts to notice that raskolnikov is very disgusted by all these things he's saying and then uh raskolnikov he's like wait a second this man is here for Dunya. Like, he has this revelation. Svidrigailov, he denies this, but then tells him, quote, you don't know the secrets that are between a man, wife, and his mistress, end quote. So very interesting. Hmm. I'm sure there are some very dirty secrets between that triangle. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And so Raskolnikov, once again, says his intentions are bad, but Svidrigailov claims that he's too drunk to, like, handle this and throws his wine bottle out the window. <laughs> he had, he tries to hide his intentions and tells Raskolnikov he's going to marry a 15-year-old girl who comes from a broken family. <sighs> so, like, when, yeah. when you think this dude can't get any lower, he does. And... Keep in mind, he is like in his mid forties, I believe. Yeah, we've we've learned just about everything we need to in the last uh, couple of lines of the outline here. I'd say. Yeah, and it gets much worse. Like it's it, this guy just becomes much worse, and he brags about how much he spoils her and that she cries in his like 
and in the presence of him sometimes well just because she's like what the hell i'm getting married at 15 and like she's a little bit scared this is a weird man but it gives svidri gaylov pleasure because he has control like complete control over this girl (laughs) yep so raskolnikov is even getting disgusted which is pretty telling and He's like, you're taking advantage of her. <laughs> like, and Svidri Gaylov claims, quote, he likes his dens dirty, end quote. And hmm. yeah, I'm sorry if we're making you guys listen to this, but I mean, it is it is uh, just to show how bad of a, of a dude this is. And he tells another story about how he has taken advantage of another 13-year-old girl at one point, and then Raskolnikov exclaims, this is one of my favorite quotes, he says, Stop! Enough of your vile, nasty anecdotes, you vile, sensual man! <laughs> End quote. He's just, he's just saying what we're all thinking. Yes, but in a, a very eloquent fashion. <laughs> yeah, probably a little more... A little more eloquent than, you know, <laughs> it, your average man. Yeah, in today's terms, it would probably be more like, oh my, shut the fuck up, you sick fuck, or something like that. Sure. Uh, yeah, so Gelov, he says, well, Raskolnikov, once again, I feel like we're getting pretty close. It's been a pleasure. And then Raskolnikov's like, hell no, it hasn't been. <laughs> and then... yeah. Uh, Svidrigailov, he exits the restaurant. And then Raskolnikov is like, what is this guy up to next? Svidrigailov notices that he's following him and he tells him, quote, all right, Raskolnikov, I'll take a right here. You take a left. (laughs) And then Raskolnikov doesn't say anything. He just continues to follow him. (laughs) So Svidrigailov, he he asks, like, why are you following me? And Raskolnikov says, well, I think you're going to, you talked about my sister a lot, so you're obviously going to try to visit her. And then (laughs) Svidri Gelov is like, I'm about to call the police. And Raskolnikov is just like, well, I'm going to Siberia, so I don't care. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I'm going to, oh, man, this whole time I was just like, you've got to be so close to killing him, man. Like, just do it. Uh, But I don't know. I think that that was a one-time thing. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't it wouldn't go along with his redemption arc that he's on right now. <laughs> then he'd have to restart his suffering and would probably need a crime and punishment, uh, the sequel. <laughs> Svidrigailov, he's like, just give me some privacy. And then Raskolnikov says, quote, you're the one who listened in on my confession. <laughs> Svidrigailov says it's better than being a murderer and... Tells him, quote, leave me alone and go to America. I'll pay for your travel expenses, end quote. And I can't wait to tell you guys what that actually means. Um, and Raskolnikov is like, uh, actually, Siberia is fine with me. <laughs> like, that's my next travel destination. So Svidrigailov, he hops on a carriage. And Raskolnikov, once again, if like it takes too much effort sometimes, he just doesn't do it. So he's like, oh, whatever. I'm not going to follow this dude. And um, But he doesn't notice that Svidri Gailov, after like 100 feet, he hops off the carriage. And so, uh-huh. but Raskolnikov during this time, he just um, is zoning out and he walks to a bridge and he gazes at the water 
and he has no idea that his own sister is like standing right next to him like that's really really weird stuff here yeah it's almost like he can't he has no sense of reality it's almost like a big dream or something like that just nothing really makes sense yeah like i mean this whole book kind of has been a dream for him but this is like getting into a very real dream like a lucid dream for him yeah Uh, but obviously (laughs) i guess it wouldn't be lucid because he's not he has no idea what's going on but um Yeah, Dunia is, like, right next to him. She doesn't say anything because she's like, I thought he was going to commit suicide, like, during this whole time. And she doesn't want to, like, disturb him. So, meanwhile, Switchy Galov is just off in the corner. And he's trying to get Dunia's attention. And he's just, like, hopping up and down. He's like, Dunia, Dunia, look over here. Look over here. And he's, like, waving her over. And Raskolnikov, he's just, like, so out of it, he doesn't even notice. So... Uh-huh. And then Dunya does go to Svidrigailov and then he's like, all right, I know a secret, but he must tell her, tell it to Dunya with Sonia being present because they live by each other. And over these past few days, Sonia and Dunya have been like, they've been becoming really good friends. And obviously this comforts Dunya because this is a man that makes her very uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, yeah and i don't i don't blame her it's fair yeah we've we're starting to see his true colors and we haven't even seen him peak yet so yeah this this scene um disclaimer uh the next scene is very disturbing we're gonna try to handle this in a a proper way as best as we can um they start walking to his room and he, like kind of like what Raskolnikov does a lot he forces a smile at Dunya and he asks quote why are you frightened like a child end quote and Dunya is like pretty pissed at this question and says quote you're not a man of honor I am not afraid of you and lead the way end quote so once again we see that Dunya is um a very strong character but it's she's walking into a very bad situation yes um they enter the building and he lies about sonia being there so right off the bat it's just like oh shit he he points out sonia's room which is next door he says that he has listened to her sonia and rascal on the cop talk dunya is extremely cautious of him because she has every right to be so and yeah she notices that the whole freaking building is empty so she tells him to prove that raskolnikov committed a crime he tells her of his crime and she's just shocked and obviously she's in denial he he explains that all of his theories he had and like his weird obsession with napoleon and Dunia can con- confirm, she's like, okay, yeah, I've heard of this art- article before. Like, his family has read it now. Resumian, he- he's the one who showed her the paper, the, ar- oh, the article. Okay, sure. Yeah. Right. Um, he's like, check this out. Look at what our boy Raskolnikov is doing. He's going to be famous. Um, yeah. So 
she wants to she's like all right like quit the bull- bullshit like she knows something's going down and she's just she has to see sonia and almost faints um and Svidra Galov tries to prove his worth by like he's like it's fine like why are you fa- like fainting like i can help your family and dunia she starts insulting him and just calling him like you're a vile man and all this and she tries to leave the room but the door is locked and Svidrigov once again tries to nervously comfort her with his finances and he's like what the hell's wrong like i have all the money in the world and like dunya is like scared as hell and he says like i can help your family out if you just kisses if you just kiss me and so this is very scary for her anybody really and she yeah. she starts to scream and shake the door <sighs> He tells her it's no use. He, finger quote, lost the key. No one is here in the building at all. And he says that he's much stronger than herself. And that assault is very hard to prove. So it's obviously he's trying to sexually assault her at this point. And so Dunya, out of nowhere, I'll say this, though. So in the book that I received from Amazon, there was a picture of this scene. It it, spo- it spoiled it. It spoiled it like ten pages be- before. So I re- oh, I kind of knew this twist. But Dunya pulls out a revolver, and she's like, "Get get the hell away from me, or I will shoot." So this is like kind of Svidrigailov's ultimatum. Like he can no longer live with himself if Dunya will not accept him and he once again he's trying so hard he's like i can help raskolnikov like i can help your family or he sees that junior is like actually serious about shooting him and he's like this is kind of hot um yeah so it's just fucking it's just weird and so he takes a step forward she shoots the bullet barely misses and grazes his hair he mocks her and he's like, try again. He's like, uh, give that another shot. And at this moment, he's just like inching towards her. So like, obviously, Dunia is just like fumbling over, like reloading the bullet. Yeah, he moves forward again. She misfires and she's like, you you didn't load the, the gun properly. And then he's two paces away from her. And Dunia says, well, she basically sees that, like I was saying, she's going to die he's willing to die if she doesn't accept him she throws the gun away and he hugs her and she tells him like get off me dude like this is weird and he asks if she will love him and she nods her head she like shakes her head and she's like never obviously and Finally, he's like, he can't take a fucking hint. So he's like, he's like, I I don't have a chance. And he's like, here's the key. And he's like, all right, get out of the room quickly. Like, I almost assaulted you. And she does. And he remains in the room for a few minutes. And he's just like, obviously disappointed. And he he leaves the room with Dunya's pistol. It certainly took him long enough. Yeah. Oh my god. That scene was just uncomfortable. It was terrible to read through. And and your copy 
spoils like uh one of the biggest parts of it yes it did what gives <laughs> yeah i know and uh but this whole time like uh dostoevsky even though i already said it wouldn't make sense but he's like hinted that like two or three times now that raskolnikov is willing to kill this man so i thought the whole time that raskolnikov was gonna bust in because he was on his tracks there for a while and i thought he was gonna come in and like murder him which Again, wouldn't make sense, but I wanted it to happen. I'm going to make my own crime and punishment fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, you and I have very different thoughts uh, and opinions on Raskolnikov, apparently. Yeah. You're waiting for him to pull out an axe and start chopping the next person uh, to his side, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't think I really thought about it other than when it was brought uh, up explicitly. Yeah, yeah. That, I respect it, though. And I, I seriously, like, I know I'm joking about it now, but I thought, like, that could have been a possibility. I had no idea where this book was going to go. It's interesting. Svidrigailov, he leaves, and he's just wandering around again. And like he was saying earlier, like, he, he's just kind of like Frank Reynolds in the sense where he's rich, but he likes nasty dirty st like um establishments in the sense that uh he, he goes to like this tavern and watches a depressed clown do a show this german clown that is obviously very sad about his job and it reminded me of um the watchman graphic novel when rorschach in his journal talks about the clown going to therapy and then the therapist is like oh just go down to the down down to the clown down down the street and then the clown is like that is me so yeah. uh, that was very sad so he goes home and gathers his money after his little uh, show he that the clown put on and he goes to sonia's room he tells her that he's quote going to america and has set aside money for the rest of the children and he gives Sonia 3,000 rubles. So this whole time, it, it doesn't really make sense um, for Sonia to go to Siberia because she's going to have to take care of the children. And But uh, but this kind of, I guess, closes a plot loophole where like the children will be set up for life, basically. She tries to refuse the money because she's like, wait a second, like I've already de dealt with rich men before, rich men before, yep. <laughs> and it didn't go with too well. Been there, done yeah. that. You must have missed the last party I went to, which was also <laughs> a funeral. Yeah. It got a little crazy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, got a little out of yeah. hand. Uh, lots, lots of fun though. Svidrigailov, he tells her that Raskolnikov at this point has two options, Siberia or, quote, a bullet to the head. Which, I mean, he's not wrong. Raskolnikov is running out of options at this point. And, and he tells her that she can accept the money if she doesn't tell who it came from. So it's like a, a little secret. And then Sonia is obviously mm. at a loss for words, and he just leaves. And then she's like, wait a second, where are you going? He says... America. America! America. <laughs> yeah, where, where you can be uh, anything you want to be. <laughs> just like... Land of the free, home just of the like, brave. I just watched the musical Hamilton, you know. Uh... Oh, that's all I'm hearing about. <laughs> Do I have to watch it? I mean, I'm not a Broadway critic, but I mean, it was fun. It was a fun one. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Uh, was it about Alexander Hamilton? The money man, yep. 
Oh, it seriously was. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it is. No, I, I actually really enjoyed it. But uh, I think one of the first uh, songs they uh, break out with, it, it goes like, in New York, you can be any type of man or something like that. And uh, yeah, so uh, uh, that's why I mentioned that. But yeah, it was, it was all right. Lin, Lin-Manuel Miranda, some of you can tell like this is his baby which is totally fine but at the same time like some of the rapping is just like the same but uh and kind of cheesy but it is good i really did like it interesting yeah so um we're disney plus is sponsoring sponsoring us once again and we're oh yep, and uh i thought it was on netflix no it's only on disney plus but Bummer. yeah, it, in the very beginning, it does say sponsored by the Bad Apple Book Club. So that was very cool by Disney. We're co-signing <laughs> yeah. everything and they're yeah, co-signing Yeah, we're just waiting on Spotify at this point. <laughs> yep. Um, so he, he goes to visit his 15-year-old fiance before his trip to America. Her family is very weirded out by his visit because it's a very broken family his or her dad is in a wheelchair and i can't remember what her mom does i'm I'm a little confused here if he's gonna get married why is he going to america i guess we'll have to find out we'll have to find okay, out okay yeah yeah sure. it could I be guess, a, yeah, could be a metaphor could be a metaphor um <laughs> we'll have to find out uh but he he's like i'm leaving for some time to take to like take care of some business in America, but it's gonna be fine. And he leaves the family with fifteen thousand rubles. So like he's just like giving away everything he has, and obviously they're overwhelmed. And <laughs> once he exits, the mom is just like looking out the door, and she's like, oh, "He's the most wonderful man alive." And like, <laughs> yep. Well, hey. If that's the only impression he left on him, then I don't know. I guess she can't really argue, yeah. but we know a little more than and, she and does. And it's just disgusting because you you still see this today. He enters an old rundown hotel, Svidri Galov does, and he gets a room. Now, he decides it's time for bed, and he's just like chilling in bed, and he says, quote, Well, my dead wife, uh, now is the time to appear if you're going to, end quote. <laughs> if you're gonna come haunt me just get it over it was a pretty shitty day <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't understand i just he he keeps like trying to fall asleep but like just res- like raskolnikov he's running a fever at this point like once again he has a nightmare of dunia trying to shoot him and another one that was pretty gross was that a rat was just like running around in his covers, but he couldn't like find it. He walks around like the dark halls of the hotel, and once again, like the imagery of all of these things is just very dark and mysterious. He notices that an object is by an old cupboard in one of these corners, and he gets a bit closer, and it's a little girl crying out for her mom to stop beating her. He picks her up and brings her back to his room and covers her with a blanket. And she's like pretending to fall asleep, but her eyes start to open and she starts winking at him. Like, it's like a horror movie. Yeah. And like she's trying to seduce him. It, it was, quote, like a French harlot, 
And so the the little girl, like her, like she almost like transforms into like this French prostitute. Like that's what he's seeing. Like he's like, oh my god, this is a little girl, but I view her as like this prostitute. And the the girl just starts to laugh hysterically. And then he's mm-hmm. like, he brings his hand up as if he's 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 about to hit her. And at that moment, he wakes up. It was a dream. Yeah, even I think that that's already happened at uh, a point or two in this book, if I recall correctly. But they're still using that stuff in, you know, 10 movies a year these days. Yeah, it was just like the scene where um, Raskolnikov is reliving his dream with the pawnbroker. Right, the murder. Yes, Yes, of course, of course, of course. And, And the imagery in those dreams were so vivid and dark. It was very interesting. He takes out his revolver. He writes a note and sets it on the table. He also notices some flies are on his... uh, He has like a plate of veal that he ordered. And he tries to catch them for some time. He's like, ah, get here, get here. Like, like he's trying to get a control of his life by doing this. I don't know. Like, he would have like one success (laughs) in the past two weeks or something. Um, One W. (laughs) Uh, He's taken all the L's, but at least he caught a fly. I have no idea. Um, but he wanders once again, the imagery of this, he's in like some foggy streets. He, his coat that he has on is just drenched in the rain because it's been pouring for so long. He comes across a big house with a soldier outside of it and they stare at each other for some time before the soldier's like, uh, can I help you? (laughs) Like, I didn't sign up to put up with another crazy man. We only have Raskolnikov running around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and Svidrigailov, he tells him that he's going out to America, going to America and he pulls out his revolver and cocks it. And at this point, we don't know what his intentions are. And the soldier tells him, uh, this isn't the place to do that. Like I'm only getting paid minimum wage to stand outside of this, uh, <laughs> this house. Like it's probably like, uh, w- with all these fast food workers and like these workers at Target that are dealing with all these Karens. Like I didn't sign up for this shit. And Svidrigailov, he tells him, quote, if anyone asks where I was going, just tell them I, I went to America, end quote. And he puts the gun to his head. The soldier tells him, this isn't the place for this. This is crazy. Svidrigailov pulls the trigger and kills himself. Wow. Yes. Just in this one part, you know, we already knew who this guy was, kind of. Just seemed like some off-color weirdo. But then we learn that he's actually much more malicious than we may originally assume. And now he's dead. Yeah, and so uh, an interesting point about this was pretty much like he couldn't live with himself and all of his his needs, his disgusting needs anymore. Like once he figured out that Dunya could not love him and accept him, he's like, all right, there's no point in me in living. And that's the difference between him and Raskolnikov. Like Raskolnikov is willing to do this. Well, not yet, but it's been implied that he's going to go through this suffering in order to be a new man, basically. The righteous retribution. Yeah, he's going to turn in to, like, Raskolnikov the White. He's no longer Raskolnikov the Gray. He's going to come out a new man. Wow. Good oh, reference. Oh, man, I pulled that one out of nowhere. 
<laughs> yeah, man, I I can't get enough of uh, I can't get enough of that Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Man, I gotta get my fill on Harry Potter, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Raskolnikov decides to visit his mother in a new hotel. Our boy Razumian got for her. Thank you, Razumian. Good guy. Thank you, yep. thank you, thank you. <laughs> Raskolnikov he arrives in like just he's been dirty before but he is in like the worst condition of his life at this point in in like these dirty torn up clothes and they're all wet and his mother is like in tears of quote laughter not sadness so she's like trying to play it off like oh i was just like laughing so hard earlier like it's nothing it's nothing <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> it reminds me of this one time um i was is like sledding down this hill with my inner tube and there's this uh neighborhood bully around and he stole my inner tube once and i couldn't catch him because he was like five years older than me and uh <laughs> and then I, I i just like broke down crying i was like dude just like give me my inner tube like i want to go sledding and then like he's like are you crying and i put snow to my face and i was like no it's just the snow <laughs> Genius. yeah dude <laughs> i've always been quick and Did witty you also did you also <laughs> shove some snow up your nose to emulate the <laughs> snot coming out? No, we're in Minnesota, dude. So obviously, I like the the boogers were just like freezing all over my <laughs> lips or something. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so, like, although she's worried, she's like. <laughs> She doesn't really want to mention, like, why he's in such a bad condition. And uh, (laughs) she's like, I've been reading your article, and I've read it through three times now. And (laughs) she's like, so that's what you've been doing. That's why you can't see me. Even though she doesn't understand the article at all, she's like, this this isn't very (laughs) Christian of you. Uh, I like it. (laughs) I'm very proud of you. You're very creative. Yeah, which is maybe how my parents might feel about this. They don't really, you know, they're like, we don't really know. This is our first podcast we've been listening to, but we don't know much about the podcast world, but we're very proud of you. Great parents. (laughs) Thank you, mom and dad, once again, uh, for listening. (laughs) We get four (laughs) listeners each week and it's just our parents. (laughs) Yeah. Once again, he, he reads his article and but he throws it on the ground and just out of anger he's like this piece of paper has gotten me into so much trouble yeah just this one just this tiny little thing that i decided to write up it's so controversial Uh, not my actions it's the paper yep but his mother comforts him by saying, Oh, it's okay, Raskolnikov. I'll, you'll be, quote, the leading man in Russian thought, end quote. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be the leading man in Russian something one way or the <laughs> yeah. other. You know what I mean? In, I don't know if it'll be Russian in thought. In Siberia, maybe? Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe in Siberia. Yeah, it doesn't take that much. <laughs> so his mother begins to cry, and Raskolnikov's he's finally starting to care for his mother which we haven't seen like this whole time and he's like will you love me no matter what and she asks well well, what what's the matter what's that supposed to mean and he responds quote i i have come to tell you that though you will be unhappy you must believe that your son loves you now more than himself i was cruel wow and that was a mistake i shall never cease to love you end quote which was Pretty touching for the monster he is. 
very surprising just to hear him say anything like this in general because we've got a pretty good feel for him through the whole book but it's pretty crazy to yeah. you know hear him say i love you mommy yeah, it, it, it was very nice and it reminds me of i don't want to say i've had a personal arc like this but i was a very grumpy kid in high school when i was around my family sometimes and look yeah, but you know happens. i mean I, I had no idea what was going on in my brain but yeah, I was just like, I'm, I'm sorry for like being such a, a callous person sometimes in high school. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. Can you do? and now it's just like, especially being in the military, I'm just like, man, I, I love you guys. You're my family. <laughs> yeah. yep. I don't know. I'm not very good with uh, my words, but I, I, I do love my family. <laughs> I can say that much. <laughs> that's what that's what i've been waiting to hear this whole time she doesn't know like what the hell is going on she's like where is this coming from like this is very nice of you see she's like i thought i was just boring you this whole time like my russian thought wasn't enough for you Uh, so he tries to exit and she says like well well can i go with you to wherever you're going and then he's like he asks her to pray for him or if she does this maybe like we can reach god and for the first time like we see raskolnikov like just break down like ugly crying and he falls down on his knees before she blesses him like she does the thing with like the father the son and the holy spirit like the cross and like she does this over his back like multiple times he finally tries to leave again and his mother tries to make him stay but he says that he will see her again he returns to his room and dunya is there he could see in her eyes that she's pretty terrified and knows of his crime and he says that he is very weak and has thought about suicide and this is exactly what her and Sonia have been worrying about this whole time because he's just been wandering around for days. She says that she was very worried about this but is relieved that he still has faith in life and he admits that he is a bad person and Dunya says that he she's like yeah you're right but it's okay if you just go to Siberia already, dude, like just get your ass on the on the um, plane and fly out there. Just yeah, take a trip. If you need this. You need a little break from St. Petersburg. It hasn't been good to you. Um, That's <laughs> <you laughs> putting it yeah. lightly. They have like all these uh, travel agents making brochures for Siberia, and they're like, "Look at this! Yep. Look at this! You get a whole plank of wood to sleep on, all to yourself. Yeah. Uh, you'll get some beetle soup." <laughs> Yeah, a little soup. foreshadowing there, but uh, he claims that uh, that disgrace would be better than taking his own life due to his pride. So he's like, you know what? Maybe I should confess. Like, it's better than like killing myself because I am on a level of Napoleon. Like, like, like that. That's the only reason he's like won't won't kill himself. Like, that's what his reasoning was at this point like he's just too mm-hmm. prideful of himself and he's so full of himself that he can't do this very it would be very embarrassing to have like this legacy of like yeah this guy was gonna be the next napoleon but he killed himself like yeah yep. uh just weird and he he's like well it's time to go dunya she starts to cry and hugs him saying Having, like, because, like, at this point, he's like, well, I guess I'll go to Siberia, and she doesn't want that to happen, 
even though she kind of does, but it's, it's hard. This is her sibling. And she's like, haven't you like already paid for your crime by like not sleeping for days and just like having all these delusions. And then he says, quote, crime, what crime? I just killed a vile, noxious insect, end quote. So hmm. when I was... No, no respect for the dead. <laughs> yeah, even if it is just an insect. But when I was rewriting or when I was writing this outline, like, I was just like, dude, it's making me so pissed. Like, I just want to punch you. Like, just get over it. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone else is too. They're just like, you have no other option. So (laughs) he said he would have been crowned with glory if it wasn't for his cowardice. Like if he wasn't like going through the motions, like a sickly man that he was. And if he did it with like, just like, I don't know, like a, a person with full confidence would have done it. Everyone would be praising him. And then he claims that society would be much better off from his action if he if he wasn't a coward. But it's just like uh, you hit the money under a rock. Like, what are you talking about? And he can't see how like his actions equals like a crime. And obviously, Dunya, she's like terrified and horrified that he still thinks this way. And Raskolnikov finally sees that oh shit like i've caused my whole family to suffer (laughs) like he's completely ruined his mom and dunya here is not doing much better yeah but apparently you can't teach an old dog new tricks because uh right when you think you might have learned something you're kind of like hmm well um guess i'm not really sure what i think about you right now yeah exactly he pettily like asks for forgiveness and like he thinks to himself, if I'm found guilty, like, it's just, yeah. oh, dude, it's so annoying. And maybe one day he will become a man. Like, he's like, well, maybe the next time you'll see me, like, I'll actually be not a dirtbag. <laughs> and <laughs> he gives her a portrait of his dead girlfriend. And then he says, I'm pretty glad she's dead. <laughs> like, like that's his go- parting gift to Sonia or to uh, Dunya. It's just like, you don't know how to do this, dude. And um, he says that, quote, everyone says that I have to go suffer even though I don't get it, (laughs) end quote. Like, he's just a child. They both exit and they just exchange, like, glances. Like, they both look at each other and then they just go separate. And at this point, he is still, like, hesitating about confessing. But he decides to visit Sonia because that's his rock. Yeah, yeah, pretty sturdy rock too. <laughs> like, it takes a lot yeah, to support she, this man. Yeah, she seems, uh, she seems pretty good. She really is. So, I, I've mentioned it a little bit before, but Dunya and Sonia—they've been like really bonding over the past twenty-four hours because they're they're just like chilling in this room, and they think that Raskolnikov is going to take his life like at any moment, which is just a terrible feeling. Um, and Sonia is just, she's in the room now and she's still fearing this and Raskolnikov enters the room. She cries and he says that, and he says he is there for a cross. He's like, all right, where the, where's that cross at? I'm ready. <laughs> and he says that he is angry, but that he will have to answer all the d- detectives quote, stupid questions. He then asks asks again, like, for the cross, and 
she gives him a, a cross and she keeps the pawnbroker sister's cross. So like they both are carrying their own cross. Like they're both going to be on this road to redemption basically. And she tells him to make the sign of the cross. She's like, all right, Raskolnikov, but it's time for you to start acting like a true Christian. And then he responds by saying, quote, as much as you like. And he does like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But he does, and he does that motion like 20 times like while kneeling down. He's just like, I love Jesus. I love him. And he's like doing that. Can't get enough of the guy. It's just like when Sonia mentioned it, she's like, it's infectious. <laughs> this, this religion stuff. I can get down with religion. <laughs> Raskolnikov at this point is like, I get what they're saying. <laughs> the critics are raving about this Christianity thing. <laughs> yep. uh, so he leaves the room and he forgot to say goodbye to Sonia. Uh, he's so terrible to her. And he, he's walking and he's like trying to remember like every detail of the city because he's like, the next time I'm going to see this, I'm going to be a new man and I'm just going to be looking out at Siberia for like the next, who knows how long. And then he also notices that the next time he's going to see this city is going to be behind bars, like in a, in like a carriage, like a horse drawn carriage on his way to Siberia. Yeah. Right. So he's, he's just trying to live in the moment. And as he is observing the city, a fat German man just like pushes him and like Raskolnikov just thinks to himself he says quote does that man know who he's pushing <laughs> like he's just like so put off and he still thinks he's much superior than this guy he gives a beggar and her baby some money and he's like doing these final good deeds and while he's making his way to a crowd in the hay market there's a drunk man like dancing in the middle of this crowd and Raskolnikov is just like walking among the crowd and like uh, Sonia mentioned it earlier, but she's like, you got to kiss the ground and confess. And so this is yep. the place that he chose uh, where a drunk man is just dancing in the middle of a hay market, which was like the equivalent of like um, a farmer's market. But like there was literal cows and stuff like a dirty place just roaming around. You're talking like this isn't the first place you want to go to press your lips on the ground in front of everyone. He doesn't want to go to like the nicest uh, church in the land. He wants to go to like this dirty ass place. With a fat guy doing a jig. Like, where's my money? Like, uh, do you like these moves? (laughs) I can can floss for you guys if you want. (laughs) Oh, gross. Yeah, we'll have to edit that one out. Yeah, Raskolnikov is just like bumping among people in the crowd and he starts to break down like he's like just physically exhausted and like he's he just starts kissing like this the ground which is like full of hay and probably cow poop and and then he's like ah oh, that that wasn't enough and he gets back down and he, and he kisses it for a second time he's like ooh, this cow poop is pretty good <laughs> <laughs> and then like this one man calls him a drunk because it is a weird scene in the background you have a drunk dude just dancing and then another one is like oh he's going to jerusalem like he's like kissing the wall in jerusalem he doesn't confess because like he's obviously pretty embarrassed and he doesn't want to make more of an ass of himself but he sees sonia in the distance and he's like dang 
this girl is my rock. She's going to be here forever, even in Siberia, which she will. She, she's, like, there for him, like, this whole time. I mean, without Sonya, he would never take on this path of redemption. Very interesting. Yeah. And so he makes his way to the police station. He arrives there and he's just like, all right, like, let's get this over with. But he has to listen to this police officer that just go on these rants. And he's like, he's talking about a bunch of stuff that he doesn't care about, that Raskolnikov doesn't care about. And then he's like, I know you. You were that guy on that uh, kelp cereal box the other day. <laughs> yeah, I get your drift. Uh, yeah, so he's very famous, but it's it's about um, Raskolnikov's writings. He's like, I've heard about you, and and I like what you're writing. And uh, he he's like, and he keeps on asking him. He's like, Are you a nihilist though? Are you trying to overthrow the government? Like he's just like poking at him. He goes on to talk about a rise of suicides in St. Petersburg. He asks his coworker, he's like, "Hey Johnny, uh, what was that most recent one again?" He's like, "Oh yeah, that's that was Svidrigailov." And then Raskolnikov is just like blown in the chest. He's like very stunned about this. Uh, he he tries to leave, saying, "I only wanted to see Zamatov." This man that he pretty much teased his crime to earlier. And he's like, I only wanted to see that guy. Like, that's the only person he wants to confess to. He struggles to go down the stairs. He's like, uh, I should have confessed. But then, like, Sonia is down there waiting for him, just, like, tapping her feet. And then Raskolnikov's, like, caught in the action. He's like, oh, <laughs> I guess I have to go back up. The wife uh, caught me red-handed. <laughs> Yeah, she's literally down there tapping her foot, and he's like, ooh, oh, I, I thought this is how I got to the uh, detective's office. Oh, I thought it was on the first floor. <laughs> oh, ooh, that's yeah. embarrassing. Uh, I guess I'll go back up. <laughs> so yep. he uh, enters the office, and the officer he was talking to about earlier that was just annoying the shit out of him, he's like, well, you're back again? And then Raskolnikov is like in this woozy like state and can barely stand. And then he's like, where's your nearest chair? And he collapses in this chair and he stares at the officer and says, quote, it was I. It was I who killed the old pawnbroker woman and her sister with an axe and robbed them. End quote. This shocks. This obviously shocks the officer and everyone else in the room just like surrounds him and is like arresting him and that is where officially i guess the book ends or at least part six we we've been leading on a road up to this entire thing it ends up with raskolnikov spilling his guts right there in front of everyone you know and there's still a bit of an epilogue here but i just wanted to step off to the side real quick and see if you had any thoughts on that before we got rolling again here it was Cole. Great to finally see him confess to the crime. I mean, like I was saying, this whole part, he's like still can't let go of his theory and come to his senses that this is what he has to do. So yeah, it was great to finally see that. And um, yeah, in the epilogue, it goes into more of like what goes on in the trial and like his experiences in Siberia. But yeah, like it was... um. It was relieving to finally have this happen because it really did feel like a burden on my shoulders, like a heavy weight on my shoulders. And I don't want to say I feel the same as Raskolnikov when he confessed, but like it, it was this book is heavy. And like when he finally says just, this, it is nice. I just had no idea where this was going yeah. to. 
And when you say the book is heavy, are you are you referring to like did you buy like a hardback copy of it or No, I, I just mean in the sense of like <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was just like really weighing down on me and uh, one, of, one of the larger books. It was making you my own. legs go dead, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. That's what I thought you were getting no, at. There. I just mean in the sense that like uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot, lot to, to digest about. and like this is obviously um uh, a controversial book uh, because there's a lot of controversial stuff and it's just very dark and there's like no sign of like redemption or relief up until this point so i've even personally as we've been recording all this i've heard you say a few opinions that i myself find quite controversial but i suppose that we'll get to discussing all that later okay um should we should we get into the epilogue yeah yeah so the epilogue starts out with stating that Raskolnikov has been in Siberia for nine months and 1.5 years have has passed like since his crime. So it's been a couple weeks since like his crime, but uh, his trial took a while because obviously this is a heinous crime and no, I'm sure nobody has really seen anything like this because when was Jack the Ripper like prominent in uh, London? Jack the Ripper was prominent in London, I believe, in the early to mid 1800s. Okay, so maybe they've had their taste of like true crime, but I mean, this is pretty, pretty crazy thing. Uh, not on Jack the Ripper level, but I'm sure, like we were saying earlier, everyone in the town knows about it. Actually, I'll give myself an addendum here. I just looked it up. 1888. Oh, okay. Okay, so it, after it, the book. Uh, once again, Dostoevsky, ahead of his time, ahead, ahead of his time. time. It, it, if I had to put it into modern terms, it would probably be like the trial of OJ. Like everyone was probably tuned into this shit and like eating popcorn to it. Like this was their this was their mm. entertainment or or their rice cakes. Like their their rice Ooh, and syrup I'm hungry yeah. over here. <laughs> with the with the cheap vodka oh yeah so yeah um during his trial he goes through like the exact details including the fake pledge the two men that came up that were like it's obvious something's wrong here uh it was kind of nice to like have a, all these callbacks <laughs> it, it, right. it, yeah it just made you um go through a reminiscent time like reminisce about this uh <laughs> this terrible crime and ah, ah this was nice these are the days <laughs> yep. This was when Russia was great. Uh, and then he also explains where he hid the money, that he had no idea how much money was in this this purse and that was hidden under, under there as well. And then everyone's like, oh, bullshit. But then Razumian goes up there and like the rest of the family and they're like, uh, wait a second, this guy's gone off the rails. So yeah, he did not care about the money. He was always giving it to everyone left and right. Yeah, it was kind of obvious even from the beginning that he wasn't financially motivated to commit this <laughs> yeah. murder. I don't know why my mind went to this, but it went to the season, or the I guess the series finale of Seinfeld, where everyone in all of the episodes were just like, yeah, these people are so shitty. <laughs> like, all these characters are just coming back to be like, yeah, this guy was going insane. The classic Seinfeld finale. <laughs> the controversial one. <laughs> Very controversial. Um, Yes, and then they even get psychologists up there to defend his behaviors. And, like, yeah, they're like, yeah, only a really, quote, mentally deranged 
end quote man uh, could have done this. So like they even so hmm. and it's kind of interesting at the same time because uh, you wonder how much periphery had much to do with like this defense team and like making a good case for Raskolnikov. Interesting. Yeah. So Raskolnikov finally admits because he has to do this for the camera, right? He's like, "Yeah, I messed up and I fully regret it." <laughs> like, even though he might yeah. not fully regret it at this point, he is able to lessen his sentence due to like admitting, "Yeah, this was pretty bad." And then, like I was saying, periphery, he could have been like, "I have all this evidence, like a hundred suspicions," as he said earlier against Raskolnikov, but he can stays completely quiet and he does this because he wants Raskolnikov to like fully just lay all the details out on the table. Razumian, he also testifies and <laughs> it's like the most stereotypical like good acts that he lays out but it is uh, pretty good. The student that Raskolnikov was helping out financially, he died and then he's like, but Raskolnikov, guess what he did? He paid for the funeral. And then <laughs> they get his landlady up there as well. And she's like, this man is a man from God. He saved two children from a burning building. Like just the most stereotypical good act. But I, I don't mean to downplay he, it, but it is like something that's common. If I'm not mistaken too, um, there's something that you left out of this specific section. It was the saving the children from the burning building and then he immediately climbed up into a tree and rescued a child's cat oh yeah so yeah at this point he's pretty much on the same level of uh mr incredible <laughs> like getting yeah. uh cats out of the trees and shit but yeah so and then after all these good uh, the jury is like listening to all this they're like okay that's pretty good and he is sentenced to eight years of hard labor in siberia so Razumian and Dunya sent his mother out of town during the trial because if she had to hear this, man, like she's already going down like a bad path mentally. But if she had to hear this, obviously she would not handle it well. And she's been having nervous breakdowns that have been leading her into a like feverish delirium. And she has convinced herself that Raskolnikov, she's made up like this, her, her own theory saying that, oh, he just has like dangerous political enemies because of his writings and stuff, and that he will be a great man. Dunya keeps trying to like reassure her, but the mother can tell that Raskolnikov is like probably done something pretty bad. She has a good idea. Raskolnikov becomes very gloomy with this news because like, even though he's been pretty shitty to his mom, he doesn't want her to suffer either. And he's like, I don't think she's going to live live much longer. He's pretty upset. Razumian says that he will save up to buy land in Siberia. Our boy Razumian, he's like, oh, hell yeah, Raskolnikov. Yeah. I'm all in, man. Uh, what else would you yeah, He's like, we're going to buy land in Siberia. We're going to drink on the weekends. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. <laughs> we're going to make the best out of this uh, situation that you got yourself in. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Sonia and Raskolnikov they take off like two months later after the trial. I know you guys have been waiting for this the whole time, but our boy Razumian and Dunia they get married. Woo! Yeah, so we uh, you know Razumian he's been wanting this ever since we were first introduced to him. And of all the people chasing after Dunia. 
I mean, it wasn't hard to hard to know who who the number one guy yes. was. Yeah, especially with that competition. <laughs> yeah, even down. Of course, we've had Svidri Galov and Peter Petrovich, but hey. I'm even going to throw our man Zosimov under the bus for talking about Dunya the way he did in front of uh, Razumian. Trying to get in the way? I was not happy about no. that. No, that's a fetching <laughs> we girl. Gotta get, we got to squeeze that one in there. <laughs> that's, that is a fetching girl. That's what Razumian said on their wedding day. <laughs> Just to shove yep. in their face. Uh, but yeah, it, it's actually kind of funny because at the marriage, Zosimov and Periphery are at the wedding. <laughs> It's, so it's just kind of weird, sure. but uh, yeah, they're there. So so the mother, she's like very excited about the marriage, but as we were saying, she's losing grip of reality and she keeps telling herself like, and others in public, like she's going up to random people and she's like, my son is a hero. He rescued like some children out of burning buildings, kind of like what Katerina did where she made up her own history about her husband, Marmaladov. Uh, he was in the service, okay? <laughs> he fought bravely. <Yes. laughs> um, <laughs> but then he got hit by a horse. <laughs> and no one saw yep. it coming. Uh, and so she eventually dies after being delirious for a while and admits on her deathbed, she's like, yeah, I kind of knew Raskolnikov like did this. So she just couldn't live with that. Pretty sad, but yep. Big yeah, bummer. yeah, she was always fun. She was always fun to uh, interact with in the story. During this time, they're exchanging letters with Sonia and she informs Raskolnikov who becomes like, she basically says like Raskolnikov is emotionless and is just going through the motions of life as if like, like as if he just got a lobotomy, oh. like he's just like not enjoying life and he's just like a robot basically. He doesn't talk much to Sonia when she visits, like he's just very quiet, but she's been making friends around Siberia by doing like all these acts of kindness and in turn... Like, all the security guards there are like, all right, Raskolnikov, you can have, instead of a two-minute lunch break, you can have a five-minute lunch break today. <laughs> like, they love Sonia this much. Uh, I think she was, like, knitting stuff for, like, Christmas, and, uh, like, she gave presents uh, at Christmas and, like, all these nice deeds. I believe the nickname they had for her was something like Little Mother or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Little Mother Sonia. Well, um, that'll be coming up here soon. But yeah, everyone just loves her as if she's like a saint. So, however, it, it's released or it's revealed that Raskolnikov isn't making many friends with the fellow prisoners, which what? <laughs> yeah, the most uh, callous man isn't making fr friends in prison. Yeah, that's uh, you know what? No, you know what? That's kind of to be expected. I'm just going to say. Yeah, it. because, I mean, you got to look at it from their perspective. Like, they're probably in there for, I don't know, uh, yeah, drug charges. That's what I was wondering. Uh, maybe, too. like, they got marijuana charges or something. And then here comes, like, this, like, intellectual, and he's done, like, the most famous crime in Russia. I'm sure, like, that's going to cause some tension, like, having, like, almost, like, this celebrity there. Yeah, so he's not well-liked, and he has been ill and has been sent to the hospital. So he's very sick during this time as well. And Raskolnikov, kind of like uh, Charles Manson, he's like, 
uh, prison life, not too bad. Like, I don't really have to work that much anymore and I get food. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. which I mean, it, it's sad, but I mean, like, prison can be a home for some people like Charles Manson. Like, at le- as long as you have, like, a bed and, like, food to eat, like, Charles Manson was very fine with that. Yeah. It's good for him. He's been eating a lot of cabbage soup, and each time he gets it, there's beetles floating in it. And <laughs> so that's really gross. And he's like, he actually has warm clothes, like he actually has a jacket. So he's like, not too bad, you know. Um, Siberia, everything they told me about at the travel agency is coming true. <laughs> the beetle soup yep. is fine and hot. <laughs> but however, he he's taken like a big hit to his pride and he he's like i have nothing to look forward to and like he still doesn't quite understand the horrors of his crime but he also notices that his that his um fellow prisoners value life more than they would outside of prison like because once again the idea of suffering for your crime like they're gonna they're more like thankful for things that uh you might not have in prison which i don't want to compare my time in basic training to like prison but i mean you gotta think i didn't hear music for like two months i didn't have like you know Uh like these random luxuries you have um during regular life and our grocery stores are called commissaries which is the same thing in prison yeah i've heard that yeah so i mean i can kind of relate you do value things a lot more like we would uh, Fetty Wap just uh, dropped his Come My Way song and we would always be singing that and uh, all these other things uh, just 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 to like connect with music again. Yeah, his fellow prisoners, they look down on him and they start to hate him and like laugh at his crime. They're just pretty much picking on him a lot and at church they label him like an infidel. One prisoner like almost attacks him before a guard like stops it and so like like you were saying earlier that despite like all this hate for raskolnikov they love sonia so much like this is going to be the next saint in like their church and they she made she's made like pies and rolls for them for all the prisoners and like i was saying she's done multiple things and even like when relatives of the prisoners come up to see their uh their boys in prison they're bringing Sonia gifts when they visit. Like they stop by our house and like give Saint Sonia these gifts. And when they see her, they all greet her by saying, uh, you mentioned this, but this was the direct, direct quote. It was little mother Sonia. You are our dear, good little mother. End quote. Aww. Yeah. So it, like Sonia is just like, this is so nice. Like nobody's treated me like this before. So it's good to see Sonia like, <laughs> you know, finally get, what she deserves it's good yeah, for everyone like it was very nice um like it, it's kind of funny because like oh, some of this has like a disney-like ending but i mean for sonya you wanted that and meanwhile raskolnikov is in the hospital and he has this dream that a plague has come from asia uh uh oh um a little topical but it, it comes to europe and the plague basically causes people to viciously viciously attack each other and believe that only their way of thinking is right. Only a few men that are above like this, getting this plague can usher in a new era. And so there are a bunch of, it's basically like Raskolnikov seeing like 
the Earth's population having the mentality that Raskolnikov has, and they all tear, tear each other apart. And, like, Raskolnikov is like, yeah, the world would suck if everyone was like me. <laughs> he's not <laughs> yeah, wrong. He's not. Um, but Sonia visits him at the hospital where Raskolnikov is able to see her from his window because, once again, uh, he has been very ill. And he notices, like, the next day she isn't there. He learns that she is ill, but, like, not seriously ill. And this, like, makes him, like, actually kind of disturbed. He's like, oh, God, like, this is actually pretty bad. And one day at work, Raskolnikov is taking a break and sitting by the river during, like, his five-minute lunch break. And Sonia joins him, and they just, like, sit in silence looking at this river. Sonia, she timidly, like, reaches her hand out to him because their relationship has obviously been going through a rough patch. Like, he hasn't really been talking much. Uh, not not a good I start. Think, I think the whole relationship has been a rough it patch. It has been. It has been. But it's just that, like you were saying, it's just a weird attraction they have. But, yeah, so, like, she reaches out her hand, and usually he doesn't really take it. Well, he always takes it, but, like, he's always, like, slightly annoyed. He's like, oh, right now, Sonia? But uh, this time, he's like, holy shit, like, she's actually in Siberia with me. She's the reason I'm trying to be a better person. <laughs> and, he, yeah, Aww. so he, he just, like, starts breaking down crying and that uh, they obviously love each other very much. He finally has this revelation after Sonia putting up with him for so long. So they think about the long seven years of suffering ahead, but, and, quote, they think about the long seven years of suffering ahead, but Dostoevsky was basically like, uh, but they have so much happiness in life before them because Raskolnikov is only 23 and he's going to be in his like 30s once he gets out. So he's optimistic. And Raskolnikov feels as if he has, quote, risen again. So once again, we got that Lazarus reference. And starts to be friendly to his fellow prisoners. He's like, you know what? Like, this whole being, like, cold and callous to everyone hasn't really worked out in the first 23 years of my life. But maybe, maybe if I, like, make an effort to be friendly, they'll like me. He thinks about Sonia and, like, how much she has con contributed to his redemption, which, like I said, without Sonia, Raskolnikov would be not in Siberia and starting his redemption. He is back in his room and he takes up the Bible. At this point, he's like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. I, I messed up and I'm ready to enjoy or go through my suffering, basically. And the book ends with, quote, but that is the beginning of a new story, the story of the gradual renewal of a man, the story of his gradual regeneration that might be the subject of a new story but our present story has ended end quote and that ends the novel chills yep so we got an optimistic ending here and we very appropriate too i think for a book that's so full of misery you know, pain and, and suffering it just, you know, it's, it might kind of, you could see it as a bit of a metaphor for life. We all get in our own personal rough patches. <laughs> it always but, gets better. Uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. It, it always does. Or it, it, well, it always has potential to get better too. You yeah. know what I mean? It sounds kind of like the same thing, but. Yeah. yeah and um, 
like I was saying earlier, like reading this book just kind of felt like I had a weight on me, but like at the end it's just like, Oh, thank God. Like, thank God he's going to start his redemption. So, I mean, with that, we end obviously the longest recording we've done. We've only done a handful of these, but holy crap, this is, I mean, bound to be twice as long as any of the previous yes. episodes or the longest previous episode. And I can't I mean. wait to see in the Library of Congress <laughs> uh, in the next few years. What a what a very exciting episode it was to uh, cap off such a good book too. Yeah, you know and I mean? one thing that was so surprising about this is that Dostoevsky he obviously rushed through a lot of his writings but for the most part there wasn't like too many plot holes and the ending pretty much sets up all of our main characters on like a pretty good path we get to see the redemption our boy Razumian and Dunya have a a, a happy ending as well and yeah just like yep. I was saying it, it's kind of like a I want to say like some people might have been upset about like this happy ending, but I mean, it just was so heavy that uh, I I really wanted this. Had to do it to him. Dostoevsky just had to do it to him. Uh, Now that we have all that said and done, I think think it's time to announce the next book. Yeah. And I just, before we do, I just wanted to say like, it is nice to finally wrap this up. I mean, I've been thinking about crime and punishment for way too long and it's obviously a heavy weight but um yeah it is nice to tie finally tie this up uh but yeah yeah announce announce the book we're doing for our second series of the bad apple book club we will be covering the 1962 uh literary classic later made into one of the most famous movies of all time by uh some guy you might have heard of named stanley kubrick a clockwork orange anthony burgess's dystopian future british russian slang nadsat classic yeah and can we say it's a bit controversial yeah we'll say that right up front here and we'll even have a preface in the beginning of the first episode too and i'm not sure how vulgar we'll be we'll be getting but that book uh there's even worse a lot of Yeah, there'll be, it's worse in a completely different way, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And like I said, we'll have, uh, we'll say something about it in the beginning of the episode. But yeah, the book, I mean, you know, they're not completely dissimilar, but the tone and everything is just day and yeah. night. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be fun to, and it's completely unintentional. There's going to be some similarities and like differences with that book and crime and crime and punishment, but and I'm sure we'll discuss. Oh, them. for sure. But we're very excited to cover that. So make sure to tune in next time on the Bad Apple Book Club. Thanks anyone out there listening. You can follow us over on Instagram at the Bad Apple Book yep. Club. Um, we post up every every Monday whenever we post a new episode, and um, I'm sure we'll find some other, you know, tidbits of this or that to post up, and maybe uh, if we get a few followers on there, we can discuss them, and maybe people would want to send us questions that we could read out at the end of an episode or something like that. You can say we're we're an open book. We are an open book. 
And if I may say too, what was the name of that fellow we shouted out that at the beginning of last episode? Neftali Torres Cruz. All I gotta say is shout out Neftali. Yeah, you know we'll give I mean? you. You might have thought that was a one-time deal, man. No, 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 no. It's gonna be every episode. <laughs> shout out to Neftali. Um, and if you're fine with that, Cole, then I think uh, I think I'll just say. Have a nice yeah, day. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this series, and we, we hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a lot of work, but yeah, uh, thanks, thanks again for listening, and enjoy your day. We'll see you next time.